Some live in high vibration, while others suffer minute by minute and are desperate to find an escape, even if the price is high and the relief is brief. Some literally find this relief in the form of a metal razor that they have to hide from the nurses in their psychiatric ward, a lesson of sanity found in an insane place. So stay tuned for this gruesome affair. She cuts with a razor she calls chocolate. It taught me to stay sane in a crazy world. Finding yourself in the talons of an owl in the shadows of the forest moonlight. It's a gruesome affair. A good friend recently asked me, how do you stay sane in this crazy world? I replied, as if the answer was obvious, you just don't let it get to you. He had no idea how much time and struggle it took me to reach this conclusion. I've spent a lot of time in my young adulthood in psychiatric hospitals. These are Danish names, so they might sound a little strange. Svenbor, Psychiatrisk, Villover, Psychiatrisk, Fjorden, Psychiatrisk, just those three. Now, I was in open wards where there are no patients too insane to function within the parameters of safe human interaction. Apart from the occasional altercations or breakdowns that would quickly be dismantled and the patient sent to another ward, this was not a scary place to be. Even though images of young women drooling in wheelchairs coming back from electroshock therapy does haunt me. Apart from the oddballs at activities, it was not scary. There were some special characters, like the guy who thought he was Napoleon and would only speak French. He didn't know any French, and so effectively, he would only speak gibberish with a French accent. Okay, he was a little scary, because he would show up and start screaming in my face in what he thought was French, but none of it made any sense. Maybe uncomfortable is more the way to describe it than scary. Then there was the psychotic young man running scared, screaming at a sea of rats no one else could see. Also there was a disturbed and fragmented mind of my good friend who hadn't slept for three months. Mainly, these are places for people in pain. Grief so deep and prolonged they cannot function. From a young age, I've been close to clinically insane. None of these irrational people scared me. How could they? I was in the same place as them, fighting my own shadows, fighting what I would later learn are my own demons. Everyone has their own demons and angels. I didn't see myself as scary, didn't even consider myself crazy. So why would they be? This story, however, does not start here. When I was only 16, I was admitted into a psychiatric ward for the first time. This place was unnerving. It seemed so cold with the white walls and long hallways and flickering fluorescent lamps. Those cheap, efficient lamps really make such places just creepy. When you are dealing with children in a psychiatric system, you do not split them into two groups, at least in Denmark. This means you don't have an open and a locked ward. 
all the young are stuck together in one ward. This, I would come to realize, is not a good idea. When I was signed in, a dismissive nurse had stripped me of all my belongings that could be considered unsafe. This being anything from belts to CDs to perfume bottles. Such bottles could be broken and the sharp edges could be used for self-harm. Essentially, I was only trusted with a little bit of clothes and a few stuffed animals. The atmosphere on the ward was thick. We were, as patients, not allowed to visit each other's rooms. We were not allowed to talk about anything but trivial things and other patients. We were not allowed any physical contact with other patients. We were not allowed to shake hands, hold hands, and we were not even allowed to hug. I could count five girls from age 13 to 16 when I got admitted. I was the oldest one there, and to my observation also the most sane or well-functioning. On one end of the ward, it was locked. Through the glass door, you could see a hallway with more rooms and all the doors locked. I asked why this was. The nurse looked at me, initially with a glimpse of what I perceived to be rage. The tone of her voice threw me off. In the most endearing voice, she explained to me that one girl was so sensitive to sensory inputs, she had to be shielded. They had locked half the ward off for her sake. Her tone of voice mixed with the look in her eyes that I still to this day cannot figure out indicated either rage or pure terror, or maybe both. This of course just spurred my curiosity. Who was this mystical girl? We were all locked away from the world. She had to be locked even further away and locked away from the rest of us. A prison inside a prison. This place definitely felt more like a prison than any other hospital I've been to or spent time in. The tension here could be cut with a knife. One girl pulled me aside when the nurses weren't paying attention. This girl was wonderful. Her mischievous smile made me relax a bit. Finally, something seemed just a little familiar and the closest thing to normal I'd felt since I came in. In a hushed voice, she told me to follow her, and she signaled with her finger motion, and we sneaked into the toilet, the only place the door could be locked from the inside. Even though every nurse could unlock it from the outside, it still felt a little safe. She gave me a big hug. This is something that is not allowed, but it felt so good. I held her starved frame of a body. At lunch, I had noticed that none of the girls were able to force down more than a couple of peas. It made me think of my older sister who had suffered from this all-consuming eating pattern or non-eating pattern since she was 12, and I instantly felt connected to and protective of these little girls starving themselves to near death. So I just stood there and held this bony, shaking girl. Lord knows I needed this hug, but she clearly needed it more than I. So I focused my energy and let all the warmth and love I could gather 
pass on to her. I thought of my sister, her always cold hands and mine. When we were out walking, I'd warm up her hands with the warm energy flowing from mine. Hugging this strange girl here in this moment, I felt at least a little useful. After the torment I'd put everyone through at home, leading up to getting sent to the psychiatric hospital, this was a welcome feeling. I held her there for a while, saying nothing until she stopped shaking. Then she softly pulled out of the embrace and looked at me. First, she looked a little surprised. Then that smile again. She told me her name, Malou. The whole time we were whispering, did they take all your stuff too? She asked. I smiled and nodded. Don't worry, we have our own hiding places, she said. I didn't quite understand what she meant. If I needed anything, I just had to ask for it, and I'd get it, supervised, of course. She read my mind, that sly smile again. It made me feel like just a little bit of warmth existed here amongst these girls who'd been here for way longer than I ever hoped to stay in a place like this, some of them for up to four years. Keep in mind, our life had not even started yet. We were all just kids. She stuck her hand behind the radiator and fished out a tiny piece of metal. She held it up to me in her open hand. It looked like a blade from a single-use razor, a disposable razor. I was still baffled. I didn't know what to say. Her sly smile broadened. We call it chocolate. She said in an including way and blinked. This was a bizarre but comfortable moment. This girl was about 15 years old, a year younger than I was at this time. She could have been beautiful, but I can't say she was. She looked like she hadn't eaten in three years. She had brown hair and her eyes were a muddy green. She was a very ordinary girl, but the lack of life in her eyes and the hair was not ordinary. When I gazed into her eyes, I saw what was just a dazed soul. Part of this is just because the girls are all drugged up in this place. It is like they are all kind of sedated from whatever pills the nurses give them. So there we are in our safe locked bathroom stall looking at a piece of chocolate which in this moment is a shiny metal razor. Seeing the clear look of confusion in my face, she lifted up her skirt. An endless amount of scars and cuts covered her pale bony legs. There were cuts on her thighs all the way down to her ankles. There were cuts all over both of her legs, the whole length. This sight I know all too well. My sister also cut herself. I've tried it once, but this kind of pain did not offer me any relief from the internal turmoil that I suffer from. I sent her a trusting smile. I'm good, I said. Okay. She replied, and sat herself on the floor. She grabbed the tiny dull blade and forced it through an untouched little patch of skin on her inner left thigh. A sigh of release escaped her as she dragged 
the little knife to form a superficial but long red line on her white skin. At that moment, I envied her a little bit for her ability to escape, even just for a little while, and at a high cost. I got her some tissues and sat next to her on the cold hard floor. She seemed so relaxed and relieved, like all the tension that filled this place and the inhabitants within it with what I would later know to be unimaginable dread had left her starving body. Alongside the blood that we watched run down her leg toward her most intimate place, it stained her white, unflattering hospital panties. She caught the little stream with tissue before it could hit the floor. Looking back, this seems like an odd experience. But at that time, this little ritual felt completely normal, even calming. And compared to what I was to experience over the next couple of days, this moment would still be the closest to feeling safe I'd get to have in that place. Once the bleeding stopped, she wiped a little blade and stuck it back in its hiding place. Then she peeked out the door for any nurses. She popped her head back in, gave me a fleeting kiss, and left the bathroom smiling that sly, mischievous smile that for some reason made me feel calm. I shut the door behind her and waited a little while before I left the bathroom. I walked out of the door as a nurse walked by. I'd given up on trying to tell the various nurses apart. She told me dinner would be ready soon. After dinner, I asked to have one CD I'd brought. This was allowed. I went to my room and listened to it. The CD was Lisa Ekdal, some Swedish musician. I just listened, unsuspecting of what the night would bring. Around 9pm, I brushed my teeth and went to bed. I just wanted rest, so tired from the mess in my head and from being in this weird atmosphere. I just wanted to shut it all off. I listened to the calming music and fell into a light sleep. I was woken up three hours later from screams like you wouldn't imagine. I can't recall any specific statements, but they were just screaming and crying. I didn't see them, but I'm sure they were shaking and there was no coherency. I'll never forget the sound of those four young women screaming like that in the night. They all suffered from terrible night terrors. The shadows would come alive around then, and monsters crawled on the walls in their rooms. There is something real about what this dark energy is, but speaking about that would make this story run for hours. Malou shared this with me the next day in the mists of her bathroom routine. They all had the same type of dreams. This was probably because it was the same dark energy influencing them all, or it was shared psychosis. This is why they don't want us to talk to each other. That morning we sat down for breakfast. Being the only one eating, I felt a little odd. The other girls just scraping the food around while the nurses with their tense energy encouraged them to eat without any luck. This was a scary thing about this place, the tense energy. 
the grown-ups were all clearly freaked out, but trying to hide it and act professional. It didn't feel good. I went to my room. That day went without any incidents. My cousin, who worked at another ward in the hospital, came to visit me, even though it wasn't a visiting day. It was nice to see a familiar face and get a hug. When night came, the screaming started again. Not knowing why, it didn't faze me now anymore. It was just normal now. Another eventless day went, another night full of screams. The next day, my brother and sister came to visit me. It was so comforting. I still didn't feel like home would be a good place, considering how I'd scared everyone. I just wanted to hide from it all. The shame was eating at me, even though I couldn't see how this unnerving place and weird rules of interacting could be helpful to anyone, myself included. Still better than having to face everyone at home. Another night, I hardly noticed the screaming anymore. The next morning, I stood aimlessly in the hallway. I didn't feel like laying in my bed anymore. Then I heard a noise, a scream. Through the glass door, I finally saw the girl from the other end of the ward. She ran to the door and tried to open it. When she realized that she couldn't, she started to smash her head repeatedly into the glass. I looked at her. Her eyes were wild. Bits of her hair were pulled out of place and left patchy bald spots and sores on her scalp. Her right eyebrow was split open from her smashing her head on the glass as nurses hurried by me. The nurse from her room came up behind her, grabbed her, and lifted her from behind. The little girl squirmed. Compared to the adults, I realized her size. She looked no more than 10 years old. I just stood there and watched as they carried her off down the hallway. She looked at me and suddenly... In the eye contact, I saw it, or maybe I felt it. This little girl with eyes as old as time looked deep into mine. Her screaming stopped and the most unsettling smile came upon her lips. Then she was gone. She was locked back up in her room, probably strapped to the bed. A nurse found me standing there. She immediately took me to my room. Are you okay? She asked in a professional and distanced voice, but she had a concerned look on her face. I nodded. I was as far as okay as anyone could be. Well, apart from the little girl I just witnessed being carried away with blood streaming to the floor, head wounds really bleed a lot. I couldn't forget the eyes on that girl, how they pierced right through me. That smile that seemed so out of place, so evil. I wanted to talk to Malou, but every time I tried to leave my room, nurses would gather around me. I wouldn't get the chance to talk to anyone. The evening went as all others, girls not eating. That night, I didn't feel any hunger either. The food seemed to turn to sawdust in my mouth. I couldn't get a single bite down. 
the atmosphere was thicker than usual. The nurses were more rushed and uneasy and subsequently more clumsy. I couldn't fall asleep that night. I was given some sort of medication to help me with that. Around midnight, I woke up in a pool of sweat. I'd been dreaming, but I don't know of what. The usual symphony of screams rang through the hallways. I sat up in the bed. Then I noticed something out of the corner of my eye. A shadow seemed to grow. It didn't really take any form. It just grew. I looked directly at it. It stopped moving. When I looked away, it moved again. I started staring at the shadow to keep it still. I don't know how I knew, but I knew that if I let the shadow hit me, I'd end up like those screaming girls. I sat like that till morning, trying not to blink, not to look away. The next day, my cousin came, alongside the doctor who'd first signed me in. They told me they were concerned that the other girls were so sick that it could influence my mental state to worsen if I stayed around them. Mental disorders can be infectious, they said. I agreed. Not like I had any say, being a minor as I was at that time. I left that place. But the shadow stayed with me. It grew from every corner and manifested in every shadow. I had to keep a constant watch. It had already infected me. It didn't care about me anymore. I was but a vessel to the world outside. But I couldn't let it eat others. It tried to consume my loved ones. If I didn't watch it, the shadow would crawl over them and do whatever such evil shadows do. It's an insane amount of responsibility to put on one young Danish girl and an insane amount of power. I chose for the longest while whom to protect and whom not to protect, slowly realizing that I couldn't control it. What I had carried out of that place, from that world, from that horrible place, was far beyond me in strength and size. I couldn't stay vigilant forever. I couldn't watch over every shadow. After years of trying, I finally gave up the fight. I let shadows be shadows. I watched it creep over every face I knew and loved. I let it go. I didn't stop caring. I just stopped fighting. So, how do you stay sane in a crazy world? You can't. But you can stop fighting shadows. You can choose to not let it get to you. Take a deep breath and let the crazy and the demons be what they will be. Let go of the idea that you can fix or fight the crazy. And seek to accept that the world is crazy. That is how it's always been. This is how it'll always be. You don't have to point out evil, not even to yourself. Just let it be. Focus on what the light brings, not the shadows. There is something to manifestation and the law of attraction. If you focus on shadows, you get more shade. If you focus on the light, the world will brighten. So just breathe. I don't know what true sanity actually is. I don't know that 
anyone knows. But this is how you act sane in a crazy world. 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 To my forest friends, thank you for listening to another horrible tale. Dusk is a time of transition. It is an owl's wake-up call. And as the shadows grow longer and darkness takes over, the only thing to fear is fear itself. Be still in the storm, and I promise you, you will be safe. Please help this channel grow to 10,000 subscribers by ripping at the subscribe button and scratching a comment. I read every single comment scratched here, and I look forward to visiting here on the Smoking Owl Tales channel. On another night very soon. 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 On another night very soon.